Good morning. It is indeed. Every day brings new mercies. Let's be joyful in it. Today's scripture reading, by the way, my name is Steve, for those of you who may not know me. Uh, today's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. So please read along or follow the, uh, the words up on the screen as we read from his word. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though once We regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. God, we, we praise you. Um, Lord, what an amazing uh, passage that is, that, um, that we've been reconciled, that um, those that, that, um, that you have quickened those who have put their faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus and his victorious resurrection from the dead, we've been reconciled. When we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you made us alive in Christ Jesus. When we were enemies, you made us friends. And uh, we thank you that um, what a crazy truth that is, is that you've given us the message of reconciliation that we're to be messengers of reconciliation, not just recipients, but then messengers. And um, I pray, God, that um, is there, there's a lot here, Lord, I, as I, even as we finish the first service, I just, uh, Lord, I just, I pray that you would help me stand behind your word, Lord. There's a, a lot of my words um, in this particular sermon, and I pray, God, that they would um, bring you glory and honor. Um, and I pray, Lord, that, that you bring life change through your word by your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray that we would uh, be encouraged, that we would grow in our knowing you today. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that ultimately we'd be motivated, we'd be so, um, so amazed by your love for us that we would just leave here um, just wanting to tell others about what it is. Um, you did in our lives and what you did to what you came to do in the lives of many others. 
So God, be glorified this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would edify um, others here this morning as well. And God's people said, amen. Good morning. So we are, uh, just a quick commercial, next Sunday we're going to start um, in Second uh, Peter, which I'm uh, really, really jazzed about. I think it's a, it's a great book for where we're at in uh, the life of this church and in this particular culture that we live in, and um, I know I've been just uh, really encouraged and spurred on as I've spent time in it. Today we're just, we're just it's the second um, message in a two-week sermon series uh, called um, Knowing, Growing, and Going Together. And uh, those three words, you know, they, they might just like fly over your head and go, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. They, they rhyme and all that, but they, they've got significant meaning. And it's, um, our, our, our uh, mission, as Chris said, is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And our passion is that people would come to know the risen Christ. Not just know about them, but we, we so desire to see people in this community, in every corner of the world, come to genuinely know, come to genuine salvation through faith and the shed blood of Jesus. They come to know Him. And then th- that we would then grow in our relationship with Christ. Uh, that we would grow, and then that as we grow in our knowing, that we would go and tell others about it. And I, my prayer is that you would be spurred on and and um, and motivated by the love of Christ this morning. I want to ask you: When was the last time you told somebody about your favorite restaurant, or your favorite coffee, your favorite microbrew, your favorite podcast? your favorite church, your favorite recipe. How about your favorite sports team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you know me very well, you know just by listening, spend time around me, you know I love Jesus. You know I love my family. You know I love this church. I love my community group. I love this, this community we live in. I love CrossFit. Um, you just you, you spend time around me, and just what comes out of my mouth is going to give you an indicator of what I love. And as people, when we when we talk about these teams and these foods and these coffees, we talk about them because we've experienced them firsthand, and we want others to experience the goodness of these foods and these coffees and these sports teams. Some of these experiences have changed our lives for the better. Like In-N-Out Burger has me, and Bendel Coffee in Fort Collins has done me, and CrossFit has done for me. So some of these things have changed our life for the better, but some things, some of you unfortunately are fans of teams like the Dallas Cowboys and New Orleans Saints, and they just bring misery into your life. They have not really changed your life for the better in any way. That's right. Yeah, preach it, brother. We start out many, many times being a raving fan, but over time, our enthusiasm for that burger, for that, for that cup of coffee, for that particular church, or a spouse might start to fade. Sometimes the more we taste and see, the closer we look, and that particular burger joint, you go into the kitchen, you go, eh, don't want to eat there anymore. And after the honeymoon passes, you go, well, um, it's not what, she's not what I thought she was going to be, or he's not what I thought he was going to be. Over time, when we take a closer look, we notice flaws. And then over time, we stop telling people about these good things that affected our life for the better. I had a friend the other day that after a workout, I had a beer with. 
And um, when, after we were done, he said, uh, he says, Dan, he says, I love you. It's kind of an awkward moment. He said, Dan, I love you. And he says, I want to be like you. And here's what I said to him. I said, uh, don't look too close. Don't spend too much time with me, actually. Um, you might see a first impression. You know, we talked for a couple of hours. I might have said some things to encourage you, but don't look too close. Because what you're going to see is a man that is uh, very flawed, a man that is in process. In our community group, in whom I love dearly, we have a bunch of foodies. People that think that, that they know the best foods and the best restaurants. And, and the way we eat, I would say they probably do. We love our food, and it's, it's good food at that. But one night, um, our group, I was sitting, I remember I was, I was filling up a cup of coffee, and there was this conversation going on at the table, and they were talking about slapping your mama. And I go, first thing that came to mind is there's going to have to be church discipline. But as I got to, as I got to, learn, I got to talk to them more, it, that slap your mama is actually a spice that people from the South know about. And it's a spice that you put on chicken or beef or, or salmon and whatnot. So, so, so they bought it, brought it to Nancy and I, and it is a real deal. Man, it is. You put it on your eggs or your chicken, and you become an evangelist for slapping your mama like I am right now. But here's the deal. Um, it doesn't always satisfy um, if you try it on pancakes or oatmeal, it doesn't satisfy the same way as you put it on eggs or fish. So it's good, but it's not good all the time. When you first meet someone or experience something, you may really like it and you may want to tell others. But the more that you grow in your knowing and see the flaws, you may slowly stop telling others. And then you know where I'm headed. There's an exception. It is the one true God. The more you look, the more you taste and see, the more that you see He is good. He is loving. His promises are true and lasting. And you're going to want to tell other people about them, about Him. The more you drink, the more you taste, the more you see, you can, you're not going to be able to help but wanting to tell others about Him. Anybody see the movie Batman versus Superman? The Justice movie, The Dawn of Justice. It's not a great movie, but there's a couple of great lines. Lex Luthor, the bad guy who apparently had a traumatic childhood, had an opinion of the one true God based on, on what he heard about God, not what he experienced. And he said this to Clark Kent God takes sides. No man in the sky intervened when I was a boy to deliver me from his fist and abominations. He goes on to say, I figured out way back, if God is all-powerful, he cannot be all-good. And if God is all-good, he cannot be all-powerful. I'm here to tell you this morning that there's one true God who many of you have put your faith and trust in, that the more you examine him, the deeper you taste, the more you gaze at his promises and his character, the more you are going to love him and that you're going to see that, yes, he is all good and he is all powerful. He never changes. 
He is always good and powerful. And the closer we get, the more we learn and experience, the more we will love and serve Him. And the more we grow in our knowing of Him, the more we're going to want to go and share Him. And I want to just encourage you right here, just right, right in the middle, right at the beginning here, I guess, is that if you are sitting here today and you are professing faith in Christ, which most of you are, if you're professing faith in Christ and you, are, um, you have not shared Jesus in a very long time, if maybe never, I want to encourage you to not, not um, guilt yourself into it like us. I guess I should. I guess I really should do that. But I w- what I want to encourage you this morning is to that, that what needs to happen is that we need to grow in our knowing. We need to taste. We need to see that He is good. That His promises are sure. That His love is steadfast. That His character is flawless. And the more we do that, you are going to be compelled. You're not going to be able to shut up about what you've seen and what you've heard. So the question I have is when is the last time you told somebody about Jesus Christ? We were created for relationship. Relationship with our Creator, relationship with one another. We were created to know God, not just know about Him, but to know Him in the most intimate way. And after He radically invaded my life, after He radically invaded your life with His amazing saving grace and forgave me and you of all of our past, present, and future sins, that wasn't the end. That's not the end of the story. It was actually just the beginning. Just the beginning of a relationship that starts here at salvation that will continue for the rest of eternity. You were just saved from your sins so that you would never taste the wrath of God. You were saved from the penalty and guilt of your sin so that you would have an eternal relationship with the creator of the universe today. And so that you'd be able to taste and experience his good His goodness in real and tangible ways today. A relationship that brings joy and contentment now in spite of tough circumstances, in spite of hard relationships. A relationship now where you are fully loved and accepted because of the great exchange, your sin for His righteousness. At the very moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus' shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins, you became a new creation. That's what the Bible says. The old is gone. The new has come. Yes, we're all still in process. We're not going to be perfect in every way until we're in heaven. Christ, the Father sees us in Christ through Christ's perfection, but we're not going to be perfect. But we've been born again. The old you has died. The new you was born. The, sense, the sin that once controlled you and reigned in your heart has been replaced by God's Spirit, which has given you a new power to say no to sin. The time frame between uh, salvation, when you, were, when you became that new creation, and, and uh, when we see Christ in glory. You know the Casting Crown song, The Altar and the Door? Such a great song. That between the the altar when you died, when the old you died, and the door, when the door is open to an eternity of no more suffering, no more sin, and no more death, in between the altar and the doors, we talked about last week, is called what? It's life on this earth where we're being sanctified, where we're being transformed. And that simply means is that we're being uh, molded into Christ's likeness. 
You see, Jesus was perfect. And when, and when we're being transformed or sanctified, is that we're looking more like Jesus. More and more bearing the fruit and, and sinning less. The evidence of a growing Christian that we talked about last week is, is bearing more fruit and sinning less. Another way of saying it is that we're bearing more fruit and there's uh, more joyful obedience in our life. Let me read Galatians 5, 22 through 24 that, that talks about both of these. The fruit of the Spirit, which the Spirit of God produces in us, the fruit that the Spirit is producing is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So if you know Jesus, there should be progressive fruit growing in your life. And if you know Jesus, there should be progressive obedience in your life. Not to gain anything, but because we already possess everything in Christ Jesus. Even though it's God who ultimately produces the fruit in our life, He gave us other critical resources to move us along in this process. He gave us His Word, and He gave us what? His people. We have His Spirit, and He gave us His Word, and God's people. And this, this picture up here that, that I borrowed from Call to Obedience Ministries is, is there's, there's no picture that defines it better for me, that we are being transformed between the altar and the door by the Spirit of God. It's His work through the Word of God in the context of the people of God. And if you're asking yourself questions like, why am I not bearing the fruit that I want to bear? Why do I continue sinning when I don't want to sin? The, 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 the response is, the prayer should be, God, um, bear fruit in my life. God, I want to submit myself to your spirit and whatever you want to do in my life. The next is, is open up his word. Open up his word. These are, these are words. This is God's word. That's what we call God's word. This is him speaking to you. And the next is uh, in the context of God's people. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. Um, I, I love it when people, when Christians um, visit this church that haven't been in a church for a decade. That was actually Nancy and my story. Um, we, uh, I, I came to faith as an early, um, as a young man, I think. I'm not sure, only God, will know, God knows in, in, in hindsight. But we weren't in a church for like 15 years. And I asked the question, uh, why am I still doing the same things that I've always done? Why am I not growing? A, because I'm not submitting to God's Spirit. B, is because I've rarely opened God's Word. And C, is I wasn't a part of God's people who could sharpen me and strengthen me and encourage me and drag me before the throne of grace when I need to be prayed for. So as we live in community with one another, we will have the opportunity to love and serve one another. We will rejoice with one another. We will grieve with one another. We will share our fears with one another. We will, share, we will share our hopes with one another. We will confess our sins and, and share our victories. We live in community. While we live in community, we're to stir one another up to love and good works. Meeting the needs of each other and then going out into the community and meeting the needs, the temporal needs of those who are outside the faith. Listen to Galatians 6, 9 through 10. 
Christian, do not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And did you know that's one of our best witnesses to to a world that is watching us? The world wants to see Christians continue to implode. The world wants to see Christians to continue to to have churches divide and ministries divide. The world wants to see Christians continue to act with hate with those that are outside the church. So the very first thing, the very first witness we have is the way that we live together and stir up one another to love and good deeds. And then we go out and we shine Jesus to the community around us by serving them. There is a, uh, I'll call it a proverb that is false. It has been given a credit, credit has been given to St. Francis of Sissy, but I don't think he said it. Um, I don't know who said it, but it's, it's popular. Have you ever heard this? Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. That's wrong. It should say, preach the gospel, and as necessary, use words. It says all over Scripture, I think it's Romans 10 that says that, that, that uh, people are saved by hearing, hearing, and hearing the Word of God. They're saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, the Lord in His providence is going to open doors for the message by us serving people, by shining Jesus. But the only thing that is going to save someone is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's shining and sharing. And I'll just throw this in here. I think it's somewhere else in my notes. But there's no pressure because we can't save anybody. I can't save a soul. You can't save a soul. We are planters and we're waterers. And we can't fail. The only failure is not living in obedience to the Lord. And then when we fail, there's forgiveness. What a great God. And we just get up and do it all over again. But let's not stop there. Let's look at today's passage. And I know you're going, finally, today's passage. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For the love of Christ controls us. Just stop on that for a minute. The love of Christ motivates us, compels us. Paul has been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been thrown out of towns. He's been mocked. And the question that he's answering is, is why do you do all this? Why do you continue laying your life down and risking your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And he, and he says it right up front. It's the love of Christ that motivates me. It's the same love of Christ that motivates us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Jesus died for all the elect. Therefore, all have died at, that, at the altar, at the moment of salvation, that we were born again, the old you died, the new you was born, that all have died that are in Christ, and He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Well, what does that mean? Paul says we regard no one according to the flesh. You see, Paul says, I am not going to... Um, I'm called to share the gospel. I'm a messenger of reconciliation. And I'm not going to look at anybody through the flesh. I don't care what their status is. I don't care um, what their bank account is. I don't care if they're um, somebody's boss or somebody's employee. 
I don't care if they're a professing Buddhist or if they're a professing atheist. I regard no man according to the flesh. He's going to share the gospel with them. Another, also, um, that we will feed people, we will clothe people, we will house people. Um, that's a good thing. But he says, I won't regard anyone according to the flesh. That I will look at them through the Spirit of God. I'll look through them through the lens of the gospel. Uh, the, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Um, listen to this. William Booth, uh, founder of Salvation Army. But Salvation Army, when you think of them, what comes to mind? What is it? Bell ringers, yeah. That's, I didn't think that's true on Christmas. Fleecing you for your money as you're walking King Supers. No, it's a great organization. And when I think of Salvation Army, they use that money for, for, uh, to meet the needs of, of temporal man, right? Housing, food, clothing. That's a good thing, actually. And we want to be about that in this church. But William Booth, who started that organization, says this. If you leave a man socially rehabilitated, if you regard people only according to the flesh... If you leave a man socially rehabilitated, but spiritually unconverted, you have done him no lasting good. I can't think of of, of a greater prank, of a greater farce, of a greater trick than for us to go out doing social justice, feeding, clothing, housing, which, by the way, we want to be a part of. That's part of, of, of Christ's work. He fed people. He healed people. But if we don't do it with praying for the opportunity to, um, to set people free for the, with the power of the gospel, what good does it do them? What good does it do them if, they, if they're on their deathbed, they're well clothed, have a full bank account, and they've never been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? They've never heard it. The guy I was meeting with the other day is mid-50s. He's never heard the genuine gospel of Jesus Christ. He thought he had to be good enough. 55 years. We think in this country that everybody's heard the gospel. Um, I just read a, a, I was going to put a slide up there, but I decided not to. But a, a Barna's New Statistics um, says that this country, people that profess Christ and that, that believe, uh, that, that go to church regularly, that believe in heaven and hell and believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, what percent in this country? 23%. 23%. 73% of this country say they're Christian. 23% are part of a community of believers, believe in a genuine, believe in hell and believe in heaven and that Jesus is the only way. Folks, there, it's a sad, sad state, but it should create an urgency in our hearts to be ministers of reconciliation. Let me continue reading. End of verse 16. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard, we regard him thus no longer. What Paul is saying there is I used to think that Jesus was a mere man. I used to think he was a mere man. I thought he was a lunatic. I thought he was a liar. He said he was God. He was upsetting the, uh, the, the Jewish faith, saying that he was the Messiah. He said, I used to regard Jesus according to the flesh. And let me say this, uh, brothers and sisters, as we go out with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the question that we need to answer, the question that we need to have people ask is not, is not do you believe in a, a, a short creation or a long creation? Do you believe in creation? Do you believe in... Um, um, uh, that 
that the, the next Messiah is going to come from the Republican Party or whatever. The, here's the question that should be asked that, they, that we want to lead them to, and that is, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? That's the bottom line. That's the only thing that saves. And Paul said, I used to think Jesus was a liar and a lunatic, and we don't regard Jesus according to the flesh. And we need to get conversation. We need to pray that God would open doors for us to proclaim that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He claimed to be God. And we need to bring people face to face with the question of who Jesus was. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he in fact the God most high? Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled. And what reconciled means is that, that um, you and I were one, running one direction and God was going the other direction. It means that, that we were enemies, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And he reconciled us. He, he made peace with us because of Jesus' shed blood and our faith in his sacrifice. Can I hold her? Yeah. Okay, God, I'm going to do that. I don't make any guarantees. Okay. Hi. <laughs> I scream. So she. Yeah. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So not only have we been reconciled, that we get to enjoy the fruits of reconciliation, peace and joy and comfort and relationship with our eternal Father, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's been given, she's really looking at me weird. One day, young lady, I pray that you will be reconciled to the Father. Amen. That is verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We're messengers of reconciliation. We've been given the message of reconciliation. And the message of reconciliation, we can use our testimonies, and testimonies are important, but at the end of the day, our testimony changes nobody unless the gospel of Jesus Christ is included in that. So we need the message of reconciliation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? It's a representative of a, of an, of a country. And we're representatives of another kingdom. We are ambassadors of another king. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. You see, the more we grow in knowing God, the more we grow in knowing His character and seeing His promises, the more motivated we'll become to walk in joyful obedience, which includes the command and privilege to both shine and share Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, there's no greater joy than living on mission. There's no greater joy. There's nothing that's harder either, actually. And I, and I understand that. It's scary, actually. It's scary because there's fears. What if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? What if they see me as a hypocrite? Man, you've got to be in the gym where, uh, where Nancy and I go several times a week and where God's given us great opportunities to be ministers of reconciliation. And I've had more times where I've thrown something where I've had to ask people for forgiveness. 
Am I proud of that? No, but it's, it's just, I'm trying. But sometimes I can't help it. And so I have, we have an opportunity to, to, in our imperfections, to point them to the only one that can heal our imperfections and who forgives our imperfections. God's love, grace, and mercy are not simply to be enjoyed, but to be shared with others who do not yet know of his mercies. This may not work. Um, this may not work for you, and I'll, I'm going to finish up here in just a few minutes, and I'm going to invite Dan and Bethany Konzik up. But it, it worked for me as I was thinking about it. Every, every analogy breaks down at some level when you're, talking, when you're trying to make comparisons about a relationship with Jesus. But it's a restaurant example. And um, has anybody ever told you about a great restaurant that you just got to visit? You just got to visit it. And um, we were in Kansas City visiting Joey, and somebody told us about Kansas City Joe's. And, and, um, and you walk into Kansas City Joe's, and there's all these... Uh, plaques on the wall, like, like um, voted best barbecue in the country, um, best of Kansas City. Um, then you get these pictures that are signed by, you know, famous um, athletes and actors who've eaten in the restaurant. So, so knowing Jesus, you, you first you hear about him from somebody. And then you, you put your faith and trust by, by walking in into a relationship. Actually, in this restaurant example, you don't walk into the restaurant. He actually drags you into the restaurant. And then when you're in the restaurant, you can look at all the pictures on the wall and learn about him. You can gain some knowledge about, about this restaurant. But it's not until you sit down and order and taste and see that it is good that you will want to go out and tell other people about him. I know it breaks down, but that's it. If you're going, man, I, Hardy, I really, I really want to do this. Pastor, I want to do this. I know God's Word tells me to, but I just, I just don't know how to do it. Well, we can teach you how to do it. But the first thing is the want to do it. And the way to want to do it is to, is to taste and see that He is good. To grow in your knowing so that you can't stop talking about what you've seen and heard. Folks, we have the greatest effectiveness when we shine and share Jesus in the context of relationship. And it starts right where you're at. You don't need to go to Kenya. You can if the Lord's calling you. You don't need to go to Burkina Faso. You should if the Lord's calling you. But it starts right in your context in northern Colorado, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, at the gym, at the grocery store, at the coffee shop, wherever you're at. And this particular slide up here really does a good job of explaining our philosophy. And I really believe that this philosophy is born in God's Word. It's not, thus saith the Lord, it's not... um, um, it's not a mandate, but it's more of principles that we see in Scripture. And, and when you look at Jesus he, and you look at Paul, they were highly invested in the lives of people. There weren't many just drive-bys where they like chucked a track out the, off the chariot and hoped that somebody would read it or, or would leave a small tip in a little track with the waitress. That they were building relationship with people for the long haul. And at Windsor Community Church, if you've got... Um, if you've got something that you are involved in, like um, you're raising money for cancer awareness or something like that, and, um, and we're going to ask you this question. Are you involved with that organization? Are you like, involved in the board? Are you involved with, in people's lives? And we might say, you know what, we want to come beside you and we want to support you because it's not just throwing money at it one time, but it's a long-term relational investment that's ongoing. And that's the, that's the heart of Christ as well. So I would encourage you, when you go to a coffee shop, you go to the grocery store, you go to the gym, um, go to the same coffee shop, go to the same store and get to know people. And I'm going to just, um, 
it's not really digressing, but this might sound kind of weird to you. I'm going to talk about money just for a second. It's like, whoa, that's a hard, that's a hard right turn. But I want you to know, I want you to know that we put our, we, we budget our money where our mouth is. When we talk about um, knowing Christ, growing in our knowing, and going, um, that the budget is structured that way. And uh, if you're new with us here today, as you notice, as Chris said, we don't pass a plate. Um, we don't, as pastors, we don't know who gives what. I just want to give testimony to God's goodness as to how he's been providing for this church and let you know how the money's being spent very quickly. Um, annual giving versus budget. Our, our fiscal year ended the end of August, and our giving was $425,000, which is more than we budgeted. Um, our budget for the next fiscal year, which started September 1st, is $485,000. That's a 14% increase. And our prayer is, is that um, we actually don't think a whole lot about it because we just uh, believe that God is, um, is in this work called Windsor Community Church, and He's going to continue to provide. But I wanted to show you those numbers so you could know how to pray um, with us. And giving is really between you and the Lord. If you look at the next slide, this is the breakdown. 57% of the budget goes to staff. That's Pastor Chris, it's Pastor Pat, it's myself, it's uh, Stephen McKenzie, the director of, of, uh, of youth, and Bonnie Cooper. That's 57%. And then facility, we own this uh, by God's amazing grace. We own this um, debt-free, but we have some expenses like utilities and homeowners association. Um, next is uh, E3 and ministry leaders that we want to equip the saints for the work of ministry. E3 means this. All these acronyms, right? We want to encourage, equip, and empower ministry leaders to be under shepherds, to really um, um, lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then 17% of right off the top goes to missions. And I'm uh, very thankful for that. We will not touch that 17%. Uh, we'll cut my salary first before we ever touch that 17% because we want to lead. Uh, we, we want to put our money, so to speak, um, where our philosophy, our missions philosophy is. And 70% are at the top, and that's broke down. 55% goes to church planting. Uh, right now we're supporting uh, Choice City in Fort Collins, Redemption in Loveland, uh, Riverview in Surprise, Arizona, uh, Tom Harkis in, uh, in uh, uh, Chicago, Illinois, and then... Um, uh, Freddie and Daniel in the Czech Republic. Local goes to things like uh, foster care, um, heart to heart, um, serving our schools, serving seniors, and then 25% goes cross culturally. It goes across um, cultures. Um, Nigeria um, and um, Kenya are probably the biggest recipients of that right now. I want to invite um, Dan and Bethany Konzik up, and I want to just give you a heads up that we're going to be going about 10 minutes late. Uh, because you've got one of your pastors that's really long-winded. Um, but this testimony is, is, is so important. Um, and the, the Lord put Dan and Bethany on my um, heart uh, because of the testimony that he has given them that um, really aligns with today's message well. So give them a welcome golf clap. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, guys. It's not your fault. We're, we're running a little late, Dan. You, you did your best. I know. <laughs> we'll be fast. <laughs> so, Betsy and I, we, what we're really here to talk about is um, kind of our, the last six years of our lives have been shaped quite a bit by sort of our, our trying to be intentional with listening and obeying God's call to make disciples of all nations. And that comes out of a, a love for Christ and, the, and a thankfulness and a gratefulness and a humility of what he's done in our lives and that the, the knowledge of eternity is so powerful and, and knowing that 
our sins are forgiven. And we went through um, at, a, at our old church called Some of You in Evans, this uh, book called The Art of Neighboring. And what this book was about was reaching the people in your sphere of influence with the gospel. And uh, it, we had heard the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. I always kind of, in, my, in the back of my mind, thought, well, that's not quite me right now. I'm not prepared, whatever. It's, it's for missionaries. And that's not what that is at all. It's we all, every day, God puts people in our lives who are lost and, and who don't have an eternal promise of heaven. They don't have a salvation through Christ and faith in Christ alone. So some of you in, in uh, Evans, I just got to tell you a little bit about, I mean, we, we met each other in that church. We, uh, we had kids and babies in that church. Um, well, not like in the church, but just, you know, during that time frame. Um, we, but, but in our community group especially, over at that church. Some of our best friends still to this day, some amazing mentors as husbands and wives and as uh, parents and just going out and sharing the gospel. Some amazing people in that church. And, but we, we uh, decided to move to Windsor to be a little bit closer to my job. That's your part. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so like Dan said, we had decided to move closer to Dan's work, so... Or he would be able to spend more time at home. And in that time, we um, thought, oh, it'd be great because we're still half hour from our church in Greeley. We can still go. Um, and as we started going through this Art of Neighboring book with our church, we really felt the pull of the Holy Spirit and leading us to change churches, which was super difficult. We had beautiful friendships there and friends that challenged us in our faith, that sharpened us. Um, as parents and as, as just husband and wife. Um, so we didn't quite understand um, what it all was in store for us when we first made the decision. Um, but before we had decided to do that, we had um, decided to attend our neighbor's Bible study because we wanted to do a Bible study in our neighborhood, and that ended up being the Willett family um, who attends this church. And... So we were continuing to go um, to church in Greeley and do Bible study here, but we were not able to um, invite our neighbors to our church, which was really difficult because people turned down the opportunity to drive a half hour in the morning. So it was a difficult thing to invite people to our church. So we decided um, with the prompting of the Holy Spirit that that was the right decision to start looking for a church closer to our neighborhood. And Dan checked out. Windsor community, we knew the Willets, and it was this has just been a beautiful blessing in our lives. Yeah. So, so the the intentionality that we've been encouraging each other in, and and the Holy Spirit's been encouraging us in for the last six years, has um, has really led to some amazing things. I mean, it's there's been simple things as like instead of hanging out in this wonderful backyard that, that, we've, that we're blessed to have, hanging out on our front porch. We're, we do that constantly. We let the kids play around in the cul-de-sac, and we sit out front so that we can interact with neighbors. And we, the, some beautiful relationships have blossomed through just that simple thing. Other things have been uh, tr- attending the call to missions training that Pat and Jolene Braddy had put on. We went through and we wanted to learn more about how to share our faith. Um, we've started going to community group, and we've been leading a community group with some amazing people. Um, we, who we spend our time with in and out of church, I mean, there's, there's intentional decisions that have been made through, for that. What I say and how I act at work, 
how we raise our kids, and then even uh, with the, the Jubilee Village Project's a perfect example. You, some of you know about JVP, and uh, it's, it's the ministry in Kenya, and all of that came, that, that specifically came from just saying yes. And, and what happened was, without going too long into this, my, my buddy asked me if I would help him with some ministry things and some outreach and things like that around his house. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And he goes, well, I, I grew up in a village in Kenya. And so I said, oh, well, I guess I already said yes, so that part might have came first, but that's okay. So we've been rolling with this. And what it's led to is amazing opportunities to, to love and serve the, uh, the folks in that village and that community, and especially to encourage and equip the local churches in that community to make disciples. And, and there's some amazing disciple-making going on through the Jubilee Village Project. But all of that was simply being obedient and saying yes, and with this love that's overflowing in our hearts, um, being excited to share that with other people. So, oh yeah, so the, the next part, that's, that's in our notes, so we can you do that. Um, so I also want to include one thing about Dan. When he first started doing this Africa missions, I was so paranoid that God was going to have us move to Africa. Because I was, I was just guaranteed, I said, I know we're going to end up moving to a rural village in Angula, in Kenya. And, um, but that's totally not what God had for us. And um, as of yet, it's still not that. But we're, he's still able to... Um, do this wonderful mission over in Kenya, and and we're still able to be here too and doing missions here um, within our community. Um, and so, as this is Dan's mission um, field in Kenya, mine um, I felt like God's leading is my kids right now. I have three little kids, and we um, have been super intentional about our time with our kids. And so, one of the things that we have chosen as parents is time. Um, time with our kids. So as we chose, um, as Dan's had his job, it's a wonderful job. He's also turned down promotions, um, which would meant would have meant move or um, more time in the office, but we've turned them down. Um, just be able to, to have time together as a family, knowing that that's really important for raising and building up godly kids. I think um, that's was really um, the leading of the Holy Spirit with that. Um, the other thing that I totally know, maybe some of you can relate to you with young young kids and young moms, is reading with our kids at night. That has been a huge thing. When Dan and I have had a long day with the kids, it's in our flesh that we are exhausted and like we're like counting down the minutes so we can put those kids to bed so we can have our us time, right? Um, but we've really felt that. This is like the most special and sweet time with our kids is being able to read in the Bible with them. And they um, have opened up immensely to um, questions and stuff that I can't even answer anymore. And it's great because we're able to show our um, faith in God that like, hey, you know, we don't have the answer to that, but someday we will know. So it's really been neat being able to share that with our kids and praying with them, praying with them at night. Um, when we first started doing it, I remember Dan used to go around to each kid and say, what can I pray for you for? And they would kind of be weird about it, you know, like, I, I don't think I need anything. Or, and so we'd say, well, what, what can we, um, who can we pray for then? If you can't think of anything you need, let's pray for somebody that's sick or something easy. And now they're starting to really grasp that and under, understand the importance of prayer. So it's been a huge blessing for us to have that. So um, mm-hmm. that's 
totally been my mission field and as well as um, my neighbors around us. Um, there's a lot of young families in our neighborhood and it's been such a blessing. It's been very difficult because it's not in my nature to be outgoing. And so for me to be in the front yard is actually quite difficult where Dan's very, that's like, he loves it. But for me to go over and talk to people is very difficult. So I definitely know it's the Holy Spirit working in my life to know that I'm able to go talk to people and invite them to church. And some of our wonderful friends um, are going to community group with us and are going to church now with us. And I mean, it's just, it's so great. So. Yeah, community group has been another one of those things where we've experienced God's blessing through all this so much through our community group. We started a community group last year with uh, Eric and Carolyn Barstow, who are incredibly hospitable. And that was their mindset to reach out to their neighbors and to share the good news of Christ with them. So we started this community group with the intentional um, uh, kind of undertone of every one of our meetings of being disciple-making and being, doing outreach together and things like that. And through that, God has blessed that so much where we'll come together and people will share stories or prayer requests for some friend or coworker or whatever it might be about how God put them in their lives this past week and the opportunities that they've had, whether they've taken up on a, the Holy Spirit's prompting or not. Um, we get both a lot still, but about opportunities to talk to those people and to love on them. And it's growing and it's, it's causing this community group um, to be both exceptionally close-knit and, and some of the, the best friends we have. But at the same time, I've never met a more inviting and hospitable group because that is so much the focus, is to share the good news with everybody God has put in our lives. I got to sh- share one quick story with you guys um, that kind of highlights both the uh, some times in my life where I've listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit with this and, and also at the exact same time, times when I've... In, been intentional the other way and to ignore the prompting. So we had a neighbor named Dave. He lived across the cul-de-sac from us. Um, they moved away a couple years ago. Um, we could ask Todd exactly when that was, but a year and a half, two years. When did you guys move in? Two years. So, but Dave was going through some really tough times. And uh, he and I, we had talked a little bit. And there was one time specifically, I'll never forget this. I was pulling into our cul-de-sac. Dave was standing outside. His kids were playing or whatever. And I so badly wanted to just pull into my garage, hit that button, close the garage door behind me, and, uh, and just be in my home. <laughs> but the prompting of the Holy Spirit was there. And I, I recalled uh, specifically saying, okay, fine, yes, I'll, I'll park my car outside. I'll go over, I'll talk to Dave. We ended up having one of the most heart-centered, tear-filled conversations I've had in a long time. And we talked about sin and God wiping away all that sin. And by all we have to do is put faith and trust in Christ. And Dave was, accepted this. And he, I, I don't know if he became a Christian then or, or if he put his faith and trust in Christ earlier or later. I don't know that. But it was an amazing conversation. And they came to church a few times. And they've since moved away. And uh, he was so excited to text me saying, hey, my family got plugged into church. We're, we're going to church. We're doing all this stuff. So that was a pretty, I mean, that was one time when just by saying yes and listening to that, that God immediately used that. And I saw that at the same time. I mean, we lived after that conversation, we lived across the street from each other for probably, I don't know, six or eight or 10 months. And I don't think we had another one of those conversations. 
And I, because mostly because I ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit uh, probably a number of times when this guy needed somebody, a friend that he could be praying with, that he could ask the tough questions of, and that I could be asking tough questions of him in his life. And uh, so learning experience there. But <laughs> all I want to encourage, what we want to encourage you guys in is look for those opportunities because every one of us has a sphere of influence where the Holy Spirit will work in our lives and put these opportunities available. And if we say yes, and uh, I mean, it leads to some amazing things. Dan was talking about that verse in Romans 10 earlier, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or teaching? That's our amazing role with God. It is not our responsibility to save, but it's our amazing privilege to be able to share the good news of Christ and, uh, and, and watch that the fruit be, the seed be planted, watered, and, and the Holy Spirit to harvest. It's so cool. And to be a part of a church that equips us for that, that has that mentality and that intentionality to build into all of us, it's not a natural thing. This disciple-making is not natural. It, uh, I mean, you kind of you accept Christ in your heart, and you feel like, oh, man, I got this. I got an eternity. All I got to do is get through this life here on earth, and I have an eternity in heaven. That's not it at all. I mean, it, that's how my selfish nature was. We're called to, to tell about that. And it takes a reliance, a full, complete reliance on the Holy Spirit to be able to equip us to do that. And there's also ways that we can study and prepare for that, going to the call to missions thing, reading our Bibles, talking with other people and encouraging us to, to do these kind of things. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word equips us to do these good works for him and for his kingdom. So I would just encourage all you guys and, and me too, <laughs> to if God prompts you this week to, uh, to, to talk to a coworker, to talk to somebody at school, a neighbor, your kids, your family, to listen to that prompting and just go and take the call to make disciples um, seriously. The, uh, you know, the, the Broncos started one hour ago. Invite your neighbors to, uh, to a Broncos game at your house. It's a great way to bond. And, and it's, a, it's doing it out of love, too. It's not making projects. It is truly serving out of love that should motivate us to do all this, just like God loved us. So, um, slick closing, transition, done. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> See you. I want to take a, take a minute and pray for these guys um, as the worship team makes their, their way up. You know, as we've talked about these three words, know, grow, and go, I, I just don't, I want to encourage you not let that just fly by your head, that, that uh, Jesus said in John 17 that this is eternal life, that they know you, Father, and know your Son, Jesus. So we want people to come to know, and then um, we're here to help you grow. We're here to help each other grow, to grow in your knowing. And then our prayer is, is that you would go um, with reckless abandon with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only news that can set the captives free. And I'm going to give this benediction and then pray. Um, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. It doesn't end there. That your way, God, may be known on earth your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you.
Let's pray. God, we praise you. God, we thank you that we have been uh, blessed um, with a blessing that is greater than any blessing uh, that we'll ever see again. And that's, uh, that's we've been blessed by uh, the shed blood of Jesus, by being set free from the power of sin, be set free from the guilt of sin and the penalty of sin. And we have been um, um, released uh, forever into a relationship uh, with our Creator. And I thank you that um, that as we examine your love, God, as we um, try to understand the height and depth and breadth in your love for us, God, I pray that that understanding would not merely puff up our heads, but God, I pray that it would compel us to, uh, to fulfill uh, the great privilege and responsibility you've given us to be messengers of reconciliation. God, thanks for Bethany and Dan. Thank you for um, their courage in um, living their lives sold out for you and, um, and making some hard decisions. I pray, God, for continued blessing on their family as they make disciples right there under that roof. And I pray there'd be much fruit. I pray that their kids would come to know you at an early age. And I pray for that cul-de-sac and that neighborhood, Lord, that, that many people would come to know you as a result of the way that they both shine and share the risen Christ. And we pray all these things in the risen name, in, the, in our risen Lord. And God's people said, amen.